Welcome to Trivial Debates. All right, everybody. Uh, welcome to this week's edition of Trivial Debates. We got uh, you know three great contestants here to uh, go through this week's topics uh, of trivial debates here for the month of July. So uh, this is uh, if you haven't listened to this podcast before, it's uh, I'll just give you a quick rundown of what to expect uh, over the next uh, you know probably hour and a half to two hours. Uh, the ultimate this is the ultimate pulp culture challenge, guys. I mean, we got uh, movies, TV, music, sports, history, uh, a wild card uh, theme round. There's six rounds, and everybody. Uh, each question is uh, posed out to our three uh, panelists that we have uh, here uh, for this week, and uh, the top two panels will go to a speed round to to determine who's the uh, the best at uh, trivial debating these uh, these questions that I have. Uh, uh, you know, laid out here. So, uh, without further ado, let's bring in our three panelists. Uh, we have uh, first up uh, Jamil Robinson, who's uh, you know here to to rep uh, from the DS Nine podcast. Uh, he, 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 this is his first appearance on Trivial Debates, but maybe it'll be the strongest one yet. We'll we're, we'll we'll find out. Uh, bringing in the next contestant, contestant number two, we have Chris Seymour. Hello, Chris Seymour has never won, I don't think, but you never know. <laughs> but being on <laughs> he has been a uh, uh, contestant many times, but nobody has really won more. He's the winningest member in Trivial Debates history. It's Jody Simpson bringing him in, contestant number three. Thank Say you. hello, everybody, and uh, we're gonna you know break into this pretty quick, but. Uh, you know, if you guys have any opening words, you're, you're welcome to say, uh, you know, hello and uh, welcome, to, welcome to the game show. You're going down like always, Chris. Okay, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> and nice I, to uh, have you, Jamil. Jody, uh, very good um, comment. Yes, I do agree. He is going down. <laughs> I believe Unfortunately so. Unfortunately for you, you will join him. Oh, that's some fighting words. If if Jody debates as passionately as he loves the Bajorans, then I think we will have a quite a winner on our hand over there in uh, contestant number three land. Uh, okay, so we're, we're going to get to the movie uh, questions uh, first. And, uh, you know, round number one, ding, ding, ding. Okay, so the question for the movie round this week is, pick a movie that best defines the decade it was made within. Uh, we're going to start with contestant number two, Chris Seymour. What was your pick for best movie made in the decade it was made within, and it defines that decade? Okay, my movie was made in 2010. So technically, I guess it has to define the decade between 2010 and 2019. Uh, I went with The Social Network. Um, reason I chose this movie uh, is because I, I first went on Facebook back in like 2006. Didn't know what the hell I was doing. Didn't know what I was, what it was about, what I was getting into. Uh, I didn't know that for the next 14 years of my life, I'd I'd be relying on Facebook to uh, to show me ads, to uh, to connect with friends, to uh, you know, to to meet with people that uh, that I haven't seen for years. Uh, and the, the movie really is is pretty much about uh, Mark Zuckerberg and his um his his rise to fame. 
um, you know, after uh, creating Facebook, basically. And, and uh, I think that uh, it, it defines a generation uh, because we're in that generation now where, where kids want to uh, learn programming. They want to learn coding. They want to make an app. They want to make a web page where, where they can become an instant billionaire. Um, and, and it might only define that generation. I've, I've heard a lot of um, Gen Z kids saying nowadays, um, Facebook is for old people. So, so I guess uh, it does define the generation it was made within. Okay, uh, that's good with 10 seconds left. Uh, okay, over to contestant number three, Jody Simpson. What was your movie pick for this uh, question? The movie that best defines the decade it was made within. Uh, I picked 80s as a decade, and the movie I picked uh, was The Breakfast Club, which was made in 1985. Uh, John Hughes film, uh, notorious for being 80s. Um, if you're part of my generation, uh, I'm in my mid-40s now, and uh, if you're in my generation, you definitely grew up with this movie. You, Every time you think of, you know you know, the 80s, I think of Breakfast Club. It, it, it sits with me exactly the way, you know, I believe John Hughes anticipated it to be. Um, we have the Brat Pack, which is obviously a play on words for the Rat Pack. Um, you know, Ali Sheedy, um, Emilio Estevez, and so on. Um, these, these characters defined the 80s to me. They were, they were everything that was happening in schools in the 80s. Uh, you had the jock, you had, you know, the little, you know, goth girl uh, kind of girl and all that stuff. Um, overall, every time I think of this movie, I, I listen to the soundtrack, for instance, it is, it just screams 80s. There's, there's literally nothing here that doesn't say 80s in this movie. It is literally a, a, a picture of the 80s. Uh, John Hughes, captured it beautifully uh and on top of that you know very good writing um and of course fictional town uh but uh past that it's um it's it's great it just everything everything just screams 80s in that movie to me okay great uh that with three seconds remaining that was a great uh, uh timing there okay so now we're gonna head over to contestant number one jabeel robinson what was your pick for the movie that defined the decade it was made within my pick was Clueless, the movie Clueless, made in ah. 1995 by um, Amy Hack Hackerberg, Hacking Hackingling. Sorry, uh, this movie is a perfect representation, a snapshot, if you will, of the 1990s and its culture. And when I think of the 1990s, I think of the the potpourri that it was uh, across various means of uh, fashion, uh, music. Uh, uh, representation as well and this movie is a perfect example of it so uh, we're going to be discussing during this uh, debate I'm going to be talking about main points of fashion uh, cultural impact as well as uh, the uh, the fashion and soundtrack uh, this movie is absolutely 90s trust me you will see Okay. Uh, all right. Now we'll go into a little bit of a you know a free for all, but with me kind of moderating here, uh, and just maybe kind of asking some leading questions and uh, just to kind of get you guys on the right track as far as the debate goes. So, why is other than like I heard you guys touch on different points here, like uh, uh, Chris had the point that that kind of defines like the way we act. Uh, I feel like Jody kind of talked about like why it was kind of a snapshot in time and kind of Jamil was the same, but why does your stand out because of that decade? Like what did they do to make like where you say to yourself like, Oh, that's so nineties or that's so eighties or that's so, you know, the tens, you know, I guess we would call it. Uh, 
uh, we'll start with Chris since uh, he went first, uh, uh, and then we'll just kind of you guys can have a conversation amongst yourselves and just kind of figure out like why is your, why does your stand out, Chris? Because there were before 2010, really there there was Facebook. It did exist, um, but people didn't use it to the extent that they've been using it for the past decade. People didn't use it to arrange social gatherings. It it, it like takes over our whole our whole life now. It's like uh, the, the biggest support you can even give a business now is not even to write a review about them. It's just to like like their page. Okay, Jody. Um, I disagree with Chris's uh, pick. I, I think it's 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 absurd. Uh, it's it, this is a movie that's historically inaccurate almost completely. Uh, I, I I don't even I don't even think. Well, I understand that, but it, it's I I just don't I don't. The minute I think of the social network, all I think is Justin Timberlake acting. Uh, like that's really it. Like it's and the two guys that were actually one guy. Um, past that, you know, it doesn't it doesn't define anything for me. I don't I don't look at that movie and then go, oh man, I remember two thousand and ten. Great great time. You know, it's like I I just don't. It's and Jamil's Jamil's actually I, I agree with Jamil uh, when it comes to the nineties. That is definitely in my opinion, one of the defining movies of the 90s. Um, but between the two movies, uh, there's no question my movie is a much better movie. Uh, oh, Chris is gone. He's given up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right, Jamil, like, what, what do you say? Like, I do kind of feel like Clueless is maybe the Breakfast Club of the 90s. Why is the Clueless a better movie to define its decade than, than The Breakfast Club? Well, uh, Breakfast Club, although being... Um, it is a very good movie. Great choice, Jody. Um, mm -hmm. I'm very disappointed in Chris's pick. I thought he could have brought a little bit more effort to this debate. Um, but <laughs> I completely agree. As you can see from his current um, his screen, he has uh, nothing much to offer in He's terms just of the conversation. Uh, I feel like The Breakfast Club <laughs> is a good movie, but not the strongest of Hugh's legacy of 80s values. Although it does have a couple a couple of representatives of the 80s culture when you said the jock, the burnout, the um, the brain, and also the um, freak. The prince princess and the freak. Princess and as that, well. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like it's missing a little melon, if you know what I'm saying, right? Now, it's a good movie, great movie, but I feel like it captures part of the 80s and not the entirety of the 90s that Clueless does. That's a good point, Jody. Rebuttal? I can't totally agree with that. Um, I, when I when I watch Clueless, I, I definitely get a snapshot of the time when it was made, which I think is, what, 94, 95? 95, great callback. Yep. So it, it's, it, it's certainly good. The cast of characters is not nearly as uh, nice as uh, the Hughes movie is, uh, in my opinion. Uh, and... Being it, this question is about the movie as well, not just the decade. Um, I feel mine is just a stronger point. Okay, okay. Chris. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a smoke. Is, does Chris have anything to counter? Uh, the I feel like uh, Jody and Jamil's picks are very um, iconic. Uh, smack in the middle of the decades that they picked. I also have 80... a little bit of evidence here that I'd like to submit as possible. Right. Yes, Jody. Bring. 
you are um, allowed to approach the bench and provide evidence of against that's, Chris. That's great. I, I actually have a um, a screenshot here of my phone. No where, allowed to use that. Where Chris clearly says that he's pissed <laughs> off that I picked you got, club. He says, "quote he Fuck you! I stole. I know you stole Breakfast Club." Yes. Now I believe he was saying that as lovingly as he could, so I don't want you to reflect that as being a personal attack. Uh, but I feel that he just does not. He believes that my movie is the pinnacle of this question. Well, I have uh, a question for you. Thought about it after I came up with a better idea. So uh, no, you didn't. Point Jody. Point Jody for that one. I have a quick question. What, do you guys feel that the social network better defines like the, you know, 2000 to 2009 or 2010 to 2019? Which 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 decade does that movie better define? I think 2010 to 2019. It doesn't uh, define it because the whole movie is not about that time period. It's actually about when they started making Facebook <laughs> and then eventually exactly. it went to it. Like it doesn't define it. He's absolutely correct. I cannot uh, disagree with that statement. Uh, it is about the aughts and not about uh, the 2010 to 2009. Uh, yeah. Sorry, 19. Uh, so, and and what does it really cover? You haven't really brought up like exactly what is it capturing? Uh, does it capture the fashion? It really only focuses on Harvard and Stanford and you know, not really what everyone is doing. I can't go back to the social network and it's like, oh, I remember wearing yeah. that during that time period. What music was playing during this movie outside of Trent Reznor's great score, but it doesn't really highlight that time period as well. So uh, can you please, Chris, uh, please tell me how <laughs> is the connective tissue of this movie representing that time period? Because you haven't told me anything. You told me how it impacts you but it doesn't tell me how it impacts the time period in general. For future reference to the producers, anytime Jamil is on, I'll be more than happy to be on. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris, do you have a, do you have a, you got to fight for your movie here. Uh, you know, they're kind of, they're, they're taking you behind the barn here a little bit. Uh, I wanted breakfast club and I would have argued it better. <laughs> okay. Okay. Chris, thank you for your participation. Jody, I'll be talking and directing my energy towards you going forward. Chris, I, think, I, think, I think Chris threw the white towel on question one. Okay. So, all right. Jody and uh, Jamil, both of you have said kind words about each other's movies, but mm -hmm. can I get some negative words about maybe each of each other's movies? And then why Alicia Silverstone. Okay, Does a great it? job. Oh, oh, she can't act her way out of a wet paper towel. Like th this. Oh, this 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 girl's terrible. She's always been terrible. Uh, this movie would be phenomenal if there was another lead actress in there. Uh, you have Paul Rudd barely barely being used to his potential, mind you. He's pretty much a nobody at that point, anyway. Uh, Stacy Dash. Okay, one hit wonder. Stacy Dash. Come on, my my cast. Went on to do exceptional movies after this, even. Ex no. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. They all have please, at least one or please. two good ones. One or two. Please proceed. Please. I would love <laughs> to hear this this murderer row of uh, amazing movies. Ali Sheedy's amazing career, please. Emilio! Um, Ali Sheedy? Come on, dude. Short Circuit. Uh, short Circuit. Th short that's circuit. what we're, we're hanging Come our on, hat baby. on, Short Circuit. What about Judd Nelson? He was harsh. Judd Nelson was harsh for yes. sure. Uh, honestly, I'm not very up to speed on Judd Nelson's film career. Um, Emilio Estevez, 
Did a lot Speaks of movies. For itself. Uh, Emilio, yeah, yes. Emilio, yes. Mighty Ducks uh, being uh, one of my faves, but obviously not critically acclaimed. But anyway. It's still a good movie. I will. I will. Yep. Stuff like that. Um, I just, I can't think of anybody in your main cast uh, of the, I guess, the, the, the group, the posse, whatever you want to call them, that really did anything good other than the black guy. I can't remember his name. I'm really sorry. Um, but um, oh, he, was in, for- he was in Scrubs. Scrubs, yeah. Yeah. He Did was really in the long-running, critically acclaimed Scrubs. Yeah, he was okay. absolutely. Yes, he was. Yeah, he's talking yeah. about the guy. Paul Rudd. Yeah. Paul Rudd. People go back to to Clueless as the beginning of their love infatuation with Paul Rudd. But Paul Rudd Why doesn't they... shine in that movie. Oh, he does. You talk to any of the ladies, and they say they love the Paul Rudd in Clueless. Oh yeah. Yes. Trust me. Okay. Stacey think- Dash, in terms of her acting career, and uh, let's not talk about a politics, crazy woman. Um, in terms <laughs> would, of would agree. <laughs> in terms of her in, let's say, uh, black culture. Sorry, you have to take this expert opinion. She has been uh, one that has uh, had a, a big cultural impact. Um, her have she's been referenced in a multitude of rap songs of being a, a figure. In terms of black beauty. Okay, um, I think I'm gonna, you know, cut the debate here. I think what you guys have all made some great can points. I just, can I just give one more point? We yep. don't talk about soundtracks too. We should talk about soundtracks. Okay, quick, quick with the wise uh, Jamil. All right, I know the Breakfast Club soundtrack, you know, really, really Who well. Doesn't? It's iconic. Uh, why is like what? What are the, some of the songs that Clueless uses that really define it? Um, no doubt, just a girl, which. Looking at the time period, that is a great uh, jump um, jumping point for like such a, a, a cultural uh, cultural movement and also a band that has just exploded after that time. You have En Vogue and Salt and Pepper with um, Shoop, right, which is still hitting today. You have Radiohead. Uh, you have uh, what's it? Uh, Supergrass, the Cranberries, Counting Crows, Coolio, Rolling with the Homies. Like terrible song for Coolio. It's Come a on. terrible song, but <laughs> it does a great job in terms of referencing the the cornucopia, the the variety of genres that are being presented there. Okay, and and Jody, like, why is the Breakfast Club like? It, why is it defined the '80s so much more? You know, real quick. You know, you got 15 seconds here to kind of give you your last like quick wrap up on why the Breakfast Club's the best. Uh, it's it, I. I it's it's everything that is 80s. I, I literally think of 80s. That's the first thing that comes to mind. I said to my wife, I actually gave her the same question. First thing she said, Breakfast Club, right away. Um, the soundtrack, just to go back to that, Simple Minds, uh, Wang Chung. Like, come on, man. Like, th- this is this is 80s completely wrapped up in a little time capsule and given to you in movie format. Like, it, it's great. I, 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 it speaks for itself. Like, even, even the host of this said it's an iconic soundtrack. Okay. Uh, all right. I'm going to have to call it there. Um, I'm going to have to give this round to uh, Jody. I think Jody oh! earned, earned that okay. one. I was very impressed with the argument from Jamil, but I thought I thought Jody had some good comebacks. I, I was going to throw down the IMDb rating, but I figured that would be too brutal. <laughs> you would have killed me in terms of that. Great yeah. argument, Jody. Um it seems Thank like you. it's going to be a two-person show, unfortunately. Uh, don't don't uh, don't. Uh, the problem with Chris, though, is Chris knows a lot about some of the other subjects. Chris comes out uh, of left field, every especially now and music. Then. Music always surprises <laughs> me with Chris. 
So, all right, moving on to round number two. We are going to uh, go into TV here, guys. So this is a, a pretty broad question, but I thought we were going to get some uh, interesting answers here. What TV show had the most impressive ensemble cast? Meaning, that, like over time, and just like over, just the most impressive amount of people went on to do like, great other things. That, that those kind of uh, along those lines. Um, so, we'll, last time we started with Chris, but this time we'll start with Jody. Jody, what was your choice for the best TV show with the most impressive ensemble cast? Uh, I went completely off the rails here compared to probably everybody else. Um, I went with Monty Python's Flying Circus. And the reason why I did that uh, was, and I'm sure you guys are at least aware of what that is, um, you know, um, this was a British uh, sketch comedy uh, that was created by, obviously, the Mighty Python comedy group, uh, which consists of Graham Chapman, Chuck Cleese, Eric Idle, Terry Jones, Michael Palin, and Terry Gillum. Uh, Terry Gillum, who later had quite a uh, film career, uh, not only directing, but also doing some animation, stuff like that. Um, overall, these guys just work together. They work together so well. They mesh. Uh, there's, been, there's been times where I've actually read articles where they basically said, these guys are the Beatles to TV sketch comedy. Like these guys just, they sync so well. Um, and obviously they've all had uh, careers past this, um, you know, especially Eric Idle, of course, um, John Cleese, uh, you know, Fish Called Wanda, for instance. Um, they just, they mesh so well, uh, very entertaining to watch them. They feed off of each other. Um, and there's times where you're like, how are they even getting through this skit? Like it, it's just there, it's mind blowing how they, they manage to just mesh and, and they write really silly stuff. Their their movies are just hilarious, um, is all I can really say. Uh, but I think it really speaks for itself. I don't think I have much more I need to say about it. Okay. Uh, Jamil, you're next. Uh, what, what TV show did you pick with the best ensemble? I picked um, a show that is in a genre that I'm not particularly fond of, and that is um, procedurals, medical procedurals. And when you think of the medical procedure, a longstanding... Um, format in terms of television, you think ER. of the show ER. Exactly. Thank you. Um, see, automatically, I didn't even give what I was saying, and I have people from the other panelists jumping in. This show has <laughs> captured the imagination of its audience during its run, and it did so because of its impressive cast. Its cast that has moved on and continued to become icons in other uh, parts of um, pop culture. So uh, you will see with my argument, the large variety of individuals, um, some, you know, not good actors, some megastars, but you will all see that it overall, a large and impressive cast. Okay, uh, great. Uh, great intro, Jamil. Uh, moving over to Chris, what was your choice for best ensemble TV cast? Well, it seems like I didn't understand the question fully. I didn't <laughs> point for Chris. Is that a point or a negative? I, I didn't what know did you what did you take the question to mean, Chris? I didn't know the cast had to go on and continue doing good things. Um, I don't I, think that's required. No, it doesn't have to. It's just it was kind of like a, an interesting retrospective. It's, it's our right? focus. It's our focus. In, in, I just thought they of... worked well together on the show, and that's why I chose Big Bang Theory. I watched that show. <laughs> oh, from beginning to end, I watched that show. You know what I loved about that show? Everyone. Katie Keiko? No. 
Don't say no like that. Like it's disgusting. What is wrong with you? (laughs) Everyone on that show um, meshed together really well, even though they had to play these really socially awkward characters. Um, So uh, the way they brought everything together was was just amazing. And and you know that um, that show actually had to be fact checked by scientists. It it had to actually be be correct. Like there was there's nothing there was nothing on that show that that wasn't false. Sure, it was a comedy show, but uh, like all the facts were fact-checked and uh, the cast worked amazing together. And over the years, I think the show was on for eight or nine years. Um, did you know did that they fact-checked Jeopardy as well? <laughs> different. <laughs> and it's well, do, do you consider all the guest, star, uh, the guest stars on Big Bang Theory part of that ensemble cast? And is that part of what made the show good as well? Well, the guest stars like Kevin Smith was on there. Um, Bo Wheaton was on there. Yeah, um, um, there's tons of tons of guests. Um, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say they necessarily made it better. It was the core group that that really held that show together and made it enjoyable to watch every week. Okay, and uh, how about you guys, Jody and Jamil? Uh, you go to, uh, first, Jody. Um, did you did your show have good guest stars, and did it make it better as part of an ensemble cast? Um, there wasn't a lot of guest stars on the original Monty Python Flying Circus, as far as I remember. Um, I don't think your guest stars should have anything to do with the question, really. An ensemble cast is the ensemble cast. If you look at Chris's ensemble cast, they actually had to add people because it was doing not great. That's not compared to what they they no, they actually did. <laughs> well, they they added uh, the girl from Blossom, right? They added two. They added two yeah, girls because because Sheldon needed to get a girlfriend. Like they they couldn't just leave him single. But, because but Sheldon said, was such a terrible character that they needed someone to soften him up. You mean? Thank you. No. Okay, uh, Jamil. Uh, absolutely, Jamil. Uh, with your show, ER, um, what stands out as far as like your ensemble cast? Were there guest stars? Were there anything like that that kind of guest know? stars galore? Or like like ER was like a revolving door of guest stars. Like some of the guest stars were like and cast. And cast too, but like you have, like Academy Award winners just showing up. They're doing their stint in ER, like uh, uh, William H Macy showing up on it, and then you have their main cast that includes like George Clooney, um, Anthony Edwards. You got Goose from Top Gun on the main cast, right? G- Juliana Margulies from The Good Wife. You know she's moved on to it. George Clooney, megastar. You know, in per- both behind and in front of the camera, right? Noah Wiley. No, no Wiley. Yeah, he's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no Wiley. I'm not hanging my hand on. See, I can even bypass other like main stars because there's so many people to choose from. Ming Na Wen, cultural icon that she is. Paul McCrane as well, and how he like that's an iconic character and performance right there, right? Uh, so. I, I could keep going. Like I could literally keep going. Okay, I think I've heard enough. Uh, I'm gonna give this point to Jamil. I think he has the strongest pick and the the best argument for his pick. So we'll give him the applause he deserves uh, here. Uh, we have our our scores now: Jody one, Jamil one, Chris zero. Oh, I'm surprised. I think that's gonna change. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, well. I- I, I think I think we're moving on to a category Chris knows well, and I think Chris will have a good argument for uh, music. So our question this week for the music round is, what is the best piece of music you can think of with no vocals? And this time we will start with Jamil. Uh, what was your answer for this question? Uh, 
<laughs> my name is uh mine sorry is uh pacabella's canon in d um it is an iconic song in two realms specifically two specific realms i'm uh, sorry three one classical music it's a classic in the classical music field two it is the wedding song it is the song that is used at almost every single wedding right you throw a wedding it comes preloaded with it okay and then third it is uh the basis for a lot of pop songs that uh people use the chords as the backing of their tracks that um all cultural impacted songs that people think of uh throughout the 90s aughts and even today okay um moving on over to chris what was your pick for the best song with no vocals okay my song with uh no vocals iconic canadian band rush uh and their song yyz um this song as we know was uh named after the toronto airport um it's a prog rock song um neil pert alex lifeson getty lee uh they just gel so well together um what can I say? I, I can't play the song because we'll get uh, we'll get shot down on Facebook. Um, but if you know the beginning of the song, you know, ding, 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 ding. Anyways, that part was written in five four time. Um, the reason they did this is because that part, that that drumming, um, that that beat, is actually Morse code for Y Y Z, and it's it, it will blow your mind when you think of like uh, how how does a how does a band even think in that creative capacity when they're trying to write a song um <laughs> after that the tempo uh, the tempo changes many times uh, a lot of seven eight times six eight times in there um a lot of good riffs um the melody changes at least 12 times throughout this six minute so song uh even though there's no lyrics there's never a point in this song where you're bored um it's just pure bliss to listen to Okay. Uh, thanks, Chris, for that answer. Uh, uh, we'll move on to our final argument for this round, which is Jody. What did you pick? I, I know it took you a few a few tries to get to a song that actually had no vocals. So, what did you uh, yes. end up on? I, I tried to pander to the uh, judge, but it didn't work. Um, <laughs> so, I picked "Cliffs of Dover" uh, by Eric Johnson, uh, which is basically a a, a guitar uh, composition in G minor. Um, the song itself is to me every time you hear it it's just it just pumps you up it's 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 just energy um i even remember playing it in like guitar hero like the the game like uh, yeah i was in guitar hero 3 um so it it's just it it instills every time i hear it i just it, it's like a power ballad you know just yeah you know that kind of thing um YYZ, I, I, I did, don't even know what you were thinking there. Um, and as for Jimmy L's, decent pick, but honestly, wedding, no, 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 I'm good. Uh, I rather have something that you know I'm going to enjoy, uh, and that's really close to Dover. It's a fantastic song. Jody, um, let me ask you a question. Uh, do you sure. like the Beatles? Do I like the Beatles? I don't yes. mind the Beatles. Well, uh, Pacabella's Canon and D um, is featured in Beatles um, songs. Um, Top Beatles songs, yeah. Um, did you graduate by any chance um, from school? Did right? I graduate from school? You have your kids. Uh, you've gone to graduations before, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know Friends Forever by Vitamin C? Yep. Yep. Based on Pacabella's canon and D. Just because I know it doesn't make it good, Jamil. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> Green Day. Do you like Green Day? 
Uh, not very much. That's okay. What is your favorite Green Day song? Oh, probably. Um, eh, you know what? I like American Idiot myself, but. Not the one I was looking for, but that's okay. If you like Basket Case. I, I know what you were oh. looking for. That's why I didn't say yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> Basket Case also. I, uh, everyone likes anthems. Anthems are pretty iconic, right? It's why so good that there's anthem? no version of it that you can actually say that's the definitive version, though, right? Of what? Of it is so. It's such a great piece of uh, music that it can be adapted in so many ways, and it's still the essence of is there. Once you hear those chord progressions, you automatically know it's Pacabella's D. It's so used. It's so influential. Um, and even a country, a country based its entire anthem on Pacabella's D. Uh, Which country? Uh, Russia. Oh, good. I wanted to make sure you knew that. Okay, uh, Chris, what do you got to say about these these two choices that are are not by like a major band, but they're like famous pieces of, of music? Well, um, Jamil's song, I I understand it's iconic, and I've like we hear it at different. Well, oh, there's no doubt it's iconic for sure. But it's not it's not something like if it was on the radio, I'd probably change the station to be honest, because I, I it's boring. especially if I hear Vitamin C, I'm definitely changing the channel. Oh, and here's something else, and and. Part of your argument is that, like, they that a lot of bands sampled it. So what? There's a lot of samples out there. Yeah. Um, Cliffs of Dover, I guess. I don't know. It's it is. It's just a power ballad. Um, it is. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't change the station. Um, but Y Y Z. By the way, Jody, you said Y Y Z. I wanted to remind you that we're Canadian. God, <laughs> come on! Is that which that the fire you're if, bringing? If, Chris, if, that's what you, if that's all you got, you might as well just disconnect now. No, it's got it's got tempo changes throughout the whole song. It's 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 got an amazing um, it's got an amazing bassline. It's got an amazing uh, it's got like drum solos throughout it. It's it's interesting to listen to. Um, no, I couldn't do without it. So this is why the argument that you just presented concerning my pick about you not wanting to listen to it and you changing the channel that's 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 fun, but not really a good point. Because it isn't about what I like or what you like. It's, we're talking about its influence, right? And Rush is very influential. I will state that as a band. Oh, yeah, very much so. Right? Yep. As a band. But that is just the band itself, right? There are songs that people like. Some people don't like. Rush has had a very great career, I will say. Right? Everyone has their favorites. That's cool. Pacabella's D, like Canon and D, is is everyone's favorite because it's almost in every song. So there I you don't go. Think that every song. It's in a good portion of people's songs. Okay? People write songs with it as its baseline because it's so it's it's chord progression because it is so good. It is it's it's an easy template to just it, it's so in. good that you have to keep telling us every other song it's in, but yet you you sit here and you're just like oh it just it's been clipped so many times. Well, so is like pretty much every fucking hip hop song in the last twenty years. So it's like it, my song itself it it's it's not fucked around with. This is how he made it. This is how you listen to it. It's in a fucking video game. That's how iconic it is. And it's mine's and, in a video game as well. Oh, of course it is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, you know, it just overall, like, all I'm hearing from you, Jamil, and no disrespect intended, but oh, all I'm feeling course. from here, here is that 
it, it sampled a lot. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm focusing on. So the is Van Halen's point. jump? <laughs> I'm, I'm focusing on the the sampling part because no one had disputed its um, its iconic status in terms of the wedding sphere, right? Uh, I don't hear YYZ being used at weddings, right? No, and this is no. something that is used nor would like, mine. I don't think <laughs> worldwide in terms of weddings, right? I would it love doesn't a matter wedding the language or the culture. Apocalypse Canon and D, just it it owns that 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 sphere. So that's why I'm focusing on the other stuff. Uh, okay, because it's played at weddings. Yeah, that doesn't sell it for me. I, okay, I think I've I've heard enough, and I think I'm ready to make my decision here. Uh, I'm going to give this point actually to Chris. Really? Ooh. Oh no! Yes, <laughs> I feel like Chris actually made a good argument for YYZ. He actually mentioned a lot of things that were really great about YYZ uh, as a song. The whole Morse code thing, the the changing of time signatures. Um, it's one of my favorite drops in, in, for an uh, instrumental song when when the when the keyboards come in. Uh, <laughs> Charity. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I listened to both your other songs, and uh, Jody's. I was like, hey, it was pretty, but I, 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 I wouldn't listen to it like over and over. I've Why never heard anybody say it was pretty, but that's amazing. That's what oh, <laughs> that's if you remember your song, Jody. You would if you heard it. Okay. You'd be like hundred uh, percent. Jabil's was a hard one not to give it to, but at the same time, I do feel like the other two contestants kind of knocked you down a peg with the influence argument. Uh, and I, but I do think that uh, the best just to listen to on its own for me was YYZ. Uh, okay, so uh, moving on to the next round. We are now tied 1 1 1 here. Good job, uh, Chris. We're moving on over to sports. Which sports team should bring back a former logo slash color scheme to its permanent look? I can't wait to hear what Chris says. Uh, and I think, are we starting with, with Chris? Oh, uh, uh, I think we're starting with Chris this time. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Chris, what did you pick? Uh, I don't have a lot to say about it. I just like the, the original colors better, but I'm going with the Vancouver Canucks. Um, <laughs> like which one? The V or like the flying skate? The flying skate with the black and yellow. So okay. not like the, the Technicolor rainbow thing? It was black, it was black and yellow and red. Yeah, so you're right, talking about the cool. Canucks with the skate. With the skate. With the yeah. black, yeah. All right, yeah, the skate. Show it, yeah. Dave? Um, there you know what? There it is. There's the the jersey he's offering to bring back over the like the the orca whale and the blue and the green, right? Yeah, the blue and the green and the white. Uh, you know what? It doesn't even say Canucks to me at all. It like, okay, it looks like a sea or whatever. It has a whale. Uh, I don't know. The, the <laughs> <laughs> I just think that the yellow. The red and the black is such a great contrast of colors. It looks amazing. Like the players look sharp when they come out onto the ice. Um, their their current logo is just boring. That's it. Yes. All right. So it's more of a logo thing, not even just colors, or is it everything? It's a lo the logo and the colors. Logo and the colors. Okay. All right. Moving on over to Jody. Uh, Jody, what did you pick for this uh, round here? Which team should bring back a former look? I went with more of a classic look. Um, I I feel that their current look just isn't very good. Um, I picked the Toronto Raptors. So, I loved I loved the old purple with the uh, with the great dinosaur logo on there. You know, nice and cartoony. It 
everything about this this logo there it is there yeah everything about this i just i just love it it's 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 to me this is what the raptors should be uh the the new one with the ball and the the claw and the ball thing it's just it's too it's too badass there's no fun in it anymore uh, this is, it was just a fun design. Um, I re, I was so pumped when they got their team, uh, and I got to see this logo and everything and it was great. And I still have actually, I should have brought it down with me. I, I still have the original flag, uh, that I waved at one of the first games that I went to. So it's, um, just for me, it, it's, it's a great look. I love the purple. Um, I feel it just, it, everything about it's great now don't get me wrong i do like the new color scheme it's pretty nice uh but that logo is just something that should have never left okay uh jamil uh what did you pick for which team sports team should bring back a former logo slash look so permanent look i chose the la clippers um and i have a question which one do you mean so are you talking about the baby blues so I want the orange and teal. They're San Diego Clippers colors. Okay, we're gonna look that up the show. But yeah, let's, let's bring that up because I don't remember it. I wasn't sure which one you meant. So you're talking about the orange and teal look. Okay, yes. the orange and baby blue. Yeah. Okay. So oh, I think show. I remember it now. Okay. Yeah. So uh, the LA Clippers have an identity crisis currently. The LA Clippers are currently. Oh, look at. Oh, gosh. Woo. Just sweet. <laughs> the, the LA Clippers currently have an identity crisis. They're sharing the same city as the LA Lakers, the iconic LA Lakers. They are sharing the same building as the LA Lakers. Um, they have a history where they bounced around with various cities from Buffalo uh, to San Diego and then eventually to LA. Um, they haven't had an iconic identity that they can rely on. Uh, the Clippers name is based upon its San Diego um, time period. And I think that's what they need to go back to as they try to reclaim their past, right? To have a strong future. I have a question. What is a clipper? So the clippers are referenced in terms of the boats, right? So uh, when you have the the boat sail, right? They, they partially call that a clip. Right, so uh, it's known for its great sailing. San Diego as a city. Um, yep. Uh, rep to San Diego Comic Con. Rest in peace for time period. Um, and uh, this, uh, the logo, the 1978 logo that they've used, uh, was based upon the actual sailboats. So you had the sailboats as it, um, as its, uh, its icon, its logo, and then. The, the cool uh, orange and baby blue teal color scheme, um, it is in vogue right, um, right now and going forward. People are looking back and loving those classic neon colors. Just That's why Miami had its um, Miami Vice Nights, mm-hmm. and it did a great job in terms of selling out. Like You could not find those jerseys anywhere. Sold out like crazy. The Clippers going back to that color scheme would be the best one in terms of getting their merchandise sales up. Two, reclaiming their identity. And three, um, it just looks cool. It's awesome. Okay. All right, guys. Uh, fight amongst yourselves here and why yours is the better choice. Uh, I have already forgotten Chris's, so obviously it wasn't that good. Um, <laughs> what did he pick again? The, the Canucks. Canucks, the flying skate. Oh, and he didn't want the fly. He wants the flying skate back. You're I on, dr- back. You're you on drugs. You're you on drugs. When you when you come out in a black uniform, 
with with like yellow on it and and red like you're you look mean you look you look ready to play the other team is going to be fearful of you um when you come out wearing like what there's nothing there that screams vancouver you wouldn't even know who the fuck they were chris what is a canuck what is a canuck canadians right so so the montreal canadians already has that kind of like Secured, so why are we being redundant? The Vancouver redundance is what you're telling me. <laughs> Vancouver <laughs> redundance, that's amazing. Their logo and their colors, we're not talking about the name of the team. Uh, you know, if I if I was going to come out and you I came out and said you like the logo, I do like the logo. The logo is generic, it does not say anything about Vancouver. This looks, this looks like something that I could literally go on to a Chinese website right now and get a whole bunch of them for my little, you know, fucking beer league. Like, it, it's 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 garbage. This is a garbage logo. Try drawing that logo one day. Try, I could. Why would I, I want to? I could. It's All I have circle. to do is put a ruler a down and go, done. It's it's like. The idea of a shape—it's just like I'm shading in a shape, and oh, oh I made a mistake. I'll, let me just put more colors to kind of make up for the fact that I can't draw an actual they, skate. It's yeah, what they, the team looks like when they're out on the ice. That's important. It's not—it's a not, blur. Yes, you would have to be drunk to be able to watch. You can't that, even read that it. logo, right? You have to be drunk. What am I you're, supposed? You're who? The yellow skates? What are, are you? Supposed to, am I supposed to go out there to play basketball and be afraid of your baby blue team? No. Yes. Yes, actually. Yes. Yes. My here's, my here's the Clippers logo. Uh, you can see the sale. Three sale sales. It looks so, like three. something that should be in the sequel for uh Anchorman. Semi Pro? Oh you mean semi pro. Which yeah. well, pro, it's a yeah. reference to. I know. Semi pro yeah, references that. to it. Yeah, but it, it's it's boring. Um <laughs> the the thing that I love about my uh, the my pick is that that Raptors logo, that Raptors icon. It, it it's something that was ingrained in kids. It was all over the merch. Everything was great about it. And and why was it all over the merch? Because it brought. Well, obviously it's their logo. It has to be all over the merch. But because the, Jurassic Park was a big thing. Absolutely, the, the Raptors wouldn't even exist if it wasn't for Jurassic Park. Does, does it make sense for the Raptor to be wearing a basketball uniform? Why not? He's a Raptor. He's playing. <laughs> I. I, I uh, Jeff, I, I I have to give you minus points for that that statement. Of course, it has to have the. It's it's a team mascot. What well, team mascot does Jamil's not wear going a after everybody. It doesn't matter who it is now. Jamil's like, does, I'm on everybody. Does the big R on the jersey make sense? It's it's representing the Raptors. Why why wouldn't it have an R? <laughs> yeah yeah okay. I'm just asking. Every, everything about this screams exactly what it is, which is they're a basketball team. They're the Raptors. The R is huge. He's wearing an R on his chest. What so, more do you want? Okay, so here's the problem. He's I even have got with a the goddamn Raptors basketball one. in his hand. I think the new logo looks much better, though. This is too cartoonish. But that's but that was drawing in that crowd. You had kids pumped about this, and. Um, it, it, you you see kids running around right now, not as much. Yes, not about I, that. I I see the current Raptors uniforms being used in rap videos, well, on popular television, and everything. I'm talking. Like that. I'm but talking the small kid demographic. I'm not talking the teenagers and up. So here's the thing about the the Raptors uniform. Although I have fond memories of it, it are memories. I don't want it to be my present. The Raptors logo. We are. We are celebrating it currently because of where we came from. Mm -hmm. But where we are right now is what's important and what people are focusing on. And that's why we don't we want to look back.
but we don't want to move forward with that logo. So that why logo. do we why do we want to move back with the Clippers logo? Yeah, because once again, the Clippers don't have a current um, a culture that is being uh, that is representative of its of its team. When it, people think of the Clippers, they think it's oh, it's the L.A. Lakers light, right? The color scheme. Red, white, and blue is so generic and more iconic with other teams like the Pistons, like uh, the Washington Wizards, right? People don't think red, white, and blue. They don't think the Clippers. When you own a particular color scheme, right, uh, people look at those colors. And when they say, like, they, when people say black and yellow, they don't think the Vancouver Canucks. They think oh, the they Steelers. <laughs> they don't. They think the Steelers. Oh, what song says black and yellow, black and yellow, Right. It's it's about the Steelers. It's not about the Canucks. Okay, so that's that's out of that, right? I uh, the teal, the teal, the baby blue and the orange would be um, primarily for the Clippers. When people rep that, they'll know. Oh, that's a Clippers uniform. When you turn around a corner, right? Look, I'll even give Jody a bone. When you turn around a corner and you see purple, what do you think, right? When someone's wearing yeah. something Toronto, they're talking about the Raptors. No one says yeah. anything about yellow or black when it comes to Canucks. I don't turn That's a corner true. and say something black. Oh, it's the Canucks. No. Um, yeah. Is it a Steelers uniform? Oh, no, it isn't. It's uh, that old Vancouver business. Um, <laughs> they wouldn't even. That's like, the logo in NHL 95. Yeah. So. <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think we're good. Uh, is there one more thing you want to show here, uh, Dave? Okay, I think. Um, I think I'm good. <laughs> on, I just, uh, uh, the only point I really want to make here, Jeff, is that uh -huh. I'm talking about the whole ensemble. I'm not talking just the colors. I'm not talking just the logo. I'm talking everything. Um, okay, so for me on this one, I actually agree the most with Jody. But I have to give Jamil the point on this one because he argued for – I didn't even know what a clipper was. <laughs> and he argued for like a, a thing where like – So they clearly needed another outfit. They need a different outfit where at least they explain to me what the hell they are and a different logo. And I'm not uh, totally sure that logo does it, though. It just looks like uh, setting sun on the uh, Sydney uh, Opera House, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of does look at the Opera House, right? But I will accept the judges thing, and uh, well done, Jamil. Well, good job, Jody. Um, and, uh, unfortunately, it seems it's a two-person race because uh, yeah. some of these arguments I'm getting from um, Chris, it's, Chris, come on, man. Well, I think I came in second on that one. I think I came in second. No, no. no I would no. disagree with you hardly. No, you, you were a distant third on that one, Chris. Uh, the, the Vancouver Canucks. See, although I do like their that that jersey more than the current Vancouver Canucks jersey. Um, it doesn't it, define them. It doesn't define them. and they, It's not like a must that they bring it back. It's better as a third jersey option. Chris, no mention of Pavel Burry? So? <laughs> okay, fine. No. <laughs> uh, okay, moving on to the history round, which actually I think is going to be my favorite round uh, of the six well, uh, this episode. Pick a movie that was the most unfaithful to history, but was still very entertaining. And I think this on this round we are on to Jody going first. Um, All right, Jody, what did you pick for for this one? This one came right away to my head. Um, I'm, as you know, Jeff, probably, um, I'm a pretty, pretty big World War II buff. Um, so it's, for me, this is, this movie does have some good, nice things in it, but for the most part, it's terrible, uh, which is Pearl Harbor. 
2001, I believe. Um, this movie is god awfully wrong. Uh, it's it's wrong in almost everything. <laughs> Um, like, you know, the, the, the absurd fact that these guys would be, you know, even in a bomber squad, uh, later on in the movie is just absurd. Um, the fact that they shot down all these planes in Pearl Harbor, barely any planes were shot down in Pearl Harbor by the Americans. Um, like this is, it, it, there's so many inaccuracies about this movie. It, it's, it, it, it's mind blowing. Uh, is it still fun to watch? For the most part, yes, uh, with the exception of the romance um, side plot thing going on there. Uh, didn't really enjoy that all that much. Um, I actually have a little quick blurb here I wouldn't mind uh, reading if that's all right. Um, historian Lawrence Sood, which is actually, um, he's fairly well known, um, it said that the film's action bears little more of a remote resemblance to the real event. Um, Rafe and Danny, which are the two main characters, shoot down dozens of planes during the attack. Well, real U.S. pilots hit very few. Um, uh, the other thing is that these fighter pilots would never be sent to Tokyo to be part of a you know a bomber a bomber pilot uh, thing. They no training at all. And okay. uh, cut off. Yeah, I had more, uh, but that's fine. That's that's good. There's a lot to talk about in a ninety second period. Uh, moving over to Jamil, what was your choice for the movie that was the most unfaithful to history, but was the most entertaining? Um, I chose Abe Lincoln Vampire Hunter. <laughs> i gotta uh, give you credit for that but jamil when wow. i read your when i read your answer i thought this is the king daddy topper to just as an answer to this question but all right continue i okay. wish i thought of it that's all i could tell you i honestly could not think of a movie that could uh, do this question justice uh, this this movie is a terrible movie it is awful like <laughs> But you watch it, and it is ridiculously fun, right? It's absurd. It's taking history and presenting it in a fun way that you can watch with your kids when they become of age to watch vampire killing movies. And you can detail the, the actual history uh, against uh, this mishmash of action, violence, and carnage. Uh, it is a wonderful 2012 film that I think that everyone should own in their collection. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna run uh, out my time like that. <laughs> yeah, you saw 20 seconds left, but we will go over wow. to Chris and talk wow. about his movie. Uh, what did you pick for the most unfaithful movie to history, but still the most one of those entertaining movies? Uh, I went with a um, movie from 1995 on this one. If we remember Braveheart, um, this movie was uh, Mel Gibson playing uh, William Wallace. Uh, who was a, a, a real person. Um, the movie is not at all historically accurate. Uh, I don't think we'd expect that from Mel Gibson, and I'm, I'm not sure if uh, that's... Well, the, back then they did expect it, I think. Uh, maybe they did. Um, yeah. like they, they had William Wallace. Uh, um, uh, they had him as, as, as a farmer in the beginning of the movie, and his, his wife gets killed, and he has to, he has to take vengeance for his wife. Well, in real life, he wasn't. He wasn't a farmer. He was. Um, he was a well-trained noble. Um, he wasn't a peasant. Um, not only that, the um, uh, there was a battle at uh, Stirling Castle in the movie. Um, in real life, uh, there there was a battle. Uh, William Wallace and the and the Scots did defeat the English. Um, but how they did it was because of William Wallace's genius and his. Uh, his maneuvering, uh, th there was a bridge and the, the, 
the English were basically bottlenecked in, um, in into this bridge, and that's how the Scots got in and defeated them. Uh, the movie mentions nothing about that. In the movie, the uh, the battle was epic. It's great to watch, but it took uh, took place in a field. Um, so again, not accurate. Okay, uh, I think that's everybody in. Um... Okay, guys, we're going to just pretty much argue the two points here. Why is your movie the most historically inaccurate, and why is it the most entertaining of the movies? So you say the, the two points, like Jody and mine, right? That's that's what we're arguing right now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, uh, Chris's pick is a good pick. I mean, they even say at the beginning of Braveheart, you know, historians from England will say I'm a liar. So they already know that they're presenting a lot of bullshit in their movie. <laughs> but... Um, what which which of these movies is the most entertaining, regardless of it's about history? <laughs> well, I think Braveheart, but uh, honestly, I've never I've never seen Jamil's movie. I don't know if it's something that I would. You uh, are in watch. for a treat, okay. there. I've I've seen all three of these movies. Uh, some of them repeatedly. Um, Chris has a good pick, but I'll tell you right now, that is a fucking boring movie. I don't care what anybody says. That movie is just boring. Um, Jamil's pick, I'll give him credit. Fucking fantastically fun to watch. Um, it is a fun watch uh, for sure. Um, I myself was trying to get a mix of more of every, uh, all of the aspects. And when I think of historically inaccurate, but yet in entertaining i think well i still want my explosions i still want my equipment i still want all that stuff there was some things that were um pretty accurate like some of the special effects were great um especially seeing like the planes flying into stuff and everything like that fantastic the the models that they use were fantastic as well um i myself just think that that kind of puts mine ahead of the other two um there's so much bullshit in jameel's it, but I w and I will stress, I never would have thought anybody would have picked that fucking movie. What do you uh, mean? Abe was a vampire hunter. You don't know. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> it's it's a complete work of fiction. It was never intended to be historically accurate. Okay. Right. But Pearl Harbor, it really was supposed to be. It just they they fucked it up. Uh, Braveheart. Pearl Harbor. Michael Bay. Michael Bay. So wait, they wanted. Pearl Harbor to be accurate, and they decided to get. He said on many occasions that he Michael believes Bay. it is an, he it is accurate. But yeah, picking so, Michael Day, what we, the fuck? If they wanted accurate, they would have gone at least closer to Oliver Stone as opposed to Michael Bay. Well, I would yes. agree with you as well. But you know, when you're making a summer blockbuster with you know a then very popular star Ben Affleck, um, you know this is this is a movie where you know obviously you got to bring in somebody who's going to do a lot of visual effects. And let's be honest, Michael Bay, very well known for his action, um, Was that movie whether a you bomb? like it or not. Nope, um, no, nope. it made tons of money. Did did really well actually, even though it wasn't very accurate. Uh, but people were, you know, citing it as this was fact, and you know, realistically, it was not fact. Uh, there was a lot that was wrong. Um, and even if you get really nitpicky, there is even more wrong with it. <laughs> you know, even so, stuff like planes showing up when they weren't even invented yet. So, Jody, uh, you, know, you, like you you bring up an important point um, that people have tried to reference Pearl Harbor as being fact. Yes. Um, uh, of, but. Uh, but it is, at least they were attempting to. Uh, with Braveheart, um, one, in terms of it being an entertaining movie, it is not, sir. It is a, a movie no. that people reference, and it has some good speeches, but everything in between that is glaze over time. 
right? Yeah. It is sleepy time, right? Yeah. There are some I would great agree. performances. It's a good movie, but is it an entertaining movie? That it is not. Yeah. The, the main thing that I, the only real thing I have against Jamil's pick is the fact that I don't think it was ever intended to be historically accurate at all. It was literally, let's make Abe Lincoln a, a vampire hunter. Like they, there was nothing, there was nothing going into that movie where I thought, well, oh, maybe I'll learn something about Abraham Lincoln. No, I watched it because it's a fucking vampire movie. All right. That's why I watched it. Uh, Pearl Harbor was a movie that I thought going into the theater, it would be a very accurate representation. And I was very disappointed. Even halfway through the movie, I'm like, wow, this is totally wrong. So, uh, but still entertaining as hell, though. So what you're telling me is that you went into Pearl Harbor thinking it was supposed to be faithful or at least close to being faithful. Well, it was even marketed that way. You yeah. Know, it was the greatest. The point know, greatest of this battle, blah, question, blah, blah. though, isn't what was uh, it isn't what was the was supposed to be the most faithful, but ended up not being the most faithful. This I is agree. just talking about in general. What is the most unfaithful in history? Um, this is true. That's entertaining. Yeah. If, you, so, if and, you if you word it that way. Yeah. And a Blinken vampire hunter, like at the end of the movie to to match up with Abe Lincoln's death, they turn him into a vampire at the end. Spoiler alert. Sorry, Chris. Uh, maybe next time. But, uh, yeah. I don't know. That's, that sounds ridiculous. Confederate vampires. But, but, that, but that automatically, I knew that this wasn't going to be anything to do with history. But I, I still watched it because I thought it was fucking hilarious. Confederate Amazing vampires. movie. Fun. A lot of fun. But if, if, if you're interpreting the, the question the way I interpret it, which was essentially going into a movie that should be historically accurate but wasn't. Uh, yeah. That's the way you're, I'm looking at point, it. Good point, Jody. Good point, Jody. Maybe thinking I'm going to learn something here about history. You yeah, could. but Brave, but Braveheart, like they, they, there was a lot of hype. I was working for a video store when Braveheart came out, and well, I'll tell you right know. now, there was a lot of hype for that. You know I had Scots coming in all the time, going, "I want to see this." Well, you know what? Even even um, Braveheart was set in the 1200s. Yeah. Um, like the, uh, the the Scots in the movie Braveheart were wearing tartan kilts. Um, Tartan kilts weren't even invented for a couple hundred years later, oh. so even even that part is not accurate. I don't I don't think either Jamil or or myself are really arguing the fact that your movie doesn't have inaccuracies. We know it has inaccuracies, but what we're saying is it wasn't fucking entertaining, and that's part of the question. It's an amazing movie. I love Battleston. Yeah. for for I mean, a for nineteen ninety five movie, unbelievable. Now, obviously, for it to be entertaining, it really depends on the viewer itself, right? Like Jamil and I obviously clearly said we didn't we didn't enjoy it, uh, but that doesn't mean there isn't people that didn't do. It did fucking really well. That movie did great. Two hundred ten million dollars. So it yeah, it did absolutely. So. Brave Braveheart and Pearl Harbor are more similar as an argument, I would say, in this uh, category. I think the Ape Lincoln Vampire Hunter is just the funniest answer because it's just. It, it like you said, Jody is not trying to be historically accurate. Everybody oh, knows no. what we did. No, it's gonna be silly, no. but it's hilarious that it's so unfaithful to history, but is also still very entertaining. But so are the, your other two choices. Um, yeah. But if I just want to watch something entertaining, I think I'm gonna have to go with Jamil's pick here with the Vampire Hunter because I think it answers the question. That wins here. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> what was that? <laughs> Uh, all right, so now we have three points for Jamil, one point for Co- uh, Jody and Chris. Uh, going into the Looks last like round, this might be a sweep. To, to see who's going to uh, go into the speed round with Jamil, he's already guaranteed himself. Um, so we'll, we'll we'll see who wins this point, though. Everybody still uh, answers, including Jamil. 
Um, what comedian was the best at mixing politics and comedy? And there was a lot of choices for this, so uh, I expected a lot of uh, different answers. None of you guys doubled up, uh, which is great. I think, are we starting with uh, Jamil on this one? I think we are. Yeah. Uh, Jamil, who did you pick for this one? I, I gave you two just in case one didn't fall out. I I got my first one, right? You got the first one, yes. Wow. I'm surprised. Uh, this seemed like a slam dunk um, choice, and that was George Carlin. Uh, George Carlin is not only just a great comedian, he is one that has always pushed the boundaries in terms of politics, uh, so much so that uh, Congress has referenced his uh, his works uh, to make policy change. Uh, this man has been influential to a multitude of generations uh, and has found his way in a multitude of both um, uh, books, uh, audio CDs and stand-up cases and movies. Uh, George Clarlin, uh, slam dunk case. Uh, let, let's get to the debating as quickly as possible. Okay. Uh, Chris, what did you pick for the best comedian to mix politics and comedy? Went with Jeff Dunham on this one. Um, reason is I, uh, I actually went to see him about eight months ago in person. Um, oh, okay. The, uh, uh, the show was actually called Politically Incorrect. Uh, he's, he's got this um, cast of characters that are, that are just hilarious because like he's this is the guy with the Muppets right he does yeah. he, has, he has puppets okay. so um, imagine imagine the like the Trump jokes you can have when you've got like Jose the jalapeno from Mexico uh, and then his his other puppet is fucking um, um, buddy uh, the beer beer swigging um, NASCAR loving guy um, uh, then you've, you've got his other characters like Ahmed the dead terrorist um, like, who, who, what other comedian would would bring an East Indian dead terrorist into their act, and and think it was going to be funny? And and it is. It's fucking hilarious when you when you see it. Um, the reason he's so good at it is I think Jeff Dunham can portray any of these characters. He can say whatever he wants because it's not actually him saying it. It's coming out of, ma- of the mouths of these characters that he's created. It's coming out of the mouths of these puppets um, because of his ventriloquism. Um, he's even got the, um, oh, the old guy. Uh, and they're, they're just all hilarious. He can, he can say whatever he wants uh, and, and um, not be he can say politically incorrect shit and not get put down for it. Okay, speaking, <laughs> okay, speaking of politically incorrect we move on over to jody uh what was your choice over uh jamil knows good Uh, choice jody clearly i picked bill meyer uh this is this is a guy who has made his living on political comedian uh like this is it real time with bill meyer obviously is his uh his first or sorry his second uh second main series um the first one was obviously politically incorrect um the, this guy has the, the thing that I I really think of when I think of the the question and the essence of what I I interpreted the question as was this is a guy who focuses mainly on politics politics and comedy are the two the two gigs that they are uh, the guy who plays with puppets that Chris is talking about um, <laughs> this guy doesn't just do political he does other things too which is fine and I'm not I'm not shitting on that um, and Jamil's uh, definitely a good pick uh, George Carlin obviously one of the greats um, but I don't think of Carlin as being just political and comedy um, when I think political comedy and I put those two words together there's only one that comes up to me and that is Bill Maher 
like this is this is a guy who has spent his entire life doing this. Uh, now, obviously, he does do other comedy as well, but this is really his main stick. This is what he's known for. Um, he's had congressmen coming out at him. He's been fucking. He's had everybody on his ass um, in the political world at one point or another. Um, this is a guy who hits a nerve with pretty much every political party, um, and he does it really well. Um, so I think that that just that that right there just encapsulates the the entire the entire question. Okay. Um, all right. So guys, uh, you know, quick free for all of what, why you think your guy mixed politics and comedy better than the other guys, and and just uh, maybe try and you know just debunk the other uh, guy, other contestant choices here. Chris, uh, just to start off, I'm going to start off with Chris. Chris, uh, <laughs> using a proxy to kind of do insensitive material is uh, possibly one of the weakest things that you can Lazy. come at in a conversation. Like, he's he's using proxies so that he doesn't get any of the politically incorrect statements that he makes, uh, none of the heat on him, whereas at least Jody and myself's person, they said themselves everything that they meant their stances yeah. so not a character in terms of mixing um politics and, and comedy we're talking uh, mixing uh side characters for in your case right and playing it safe okay that's what well, i see I, in terms I, of jet denim i never knew jamil was so like <laughs> so cutthroat man i love this this is a whole um, other jamil i've never seen chris what's your rebuttal to what, well, I, what jamil I don't, said? I don't like my comedians to be so offensive like I, I don't want to listen. Like Jeff Dunham does it in a way that is not offensive to the listener, and that's you don't, I, you don't think that those puppets aren't offensive? I don't know. They what? They can swear sometimes. So what? They are literally oh. characters of people who would be offended. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, uh, well, the most famous. He's one got a jalapeno is... for a fucking Mexican. Come on. So what? Yeah, and he's got he's got a dead terrorist for for yeah, an Arab a dead person. terrorist for yeah. yeah, like this is and I agree with Jamil. This proxy thing, hundred uh, percent. This is Jeff, Jeff yeah. Dunham is a good comedian. He oh, absolutely, a good comedian. But in terms of mixing politics and comedy, his politics are more racial stereotypes as right. opposed to actual politics itself, right? Yeah. And politics aren't just stereotypes it's stuff about um rights it's about laws it's about how countries are managed right how people live day to day and jeff dunham great comedian sorry let me downgrade that good comedian but in terms of being able to mix politics as a whole he's um he's still um in featherweight dude compared to these heavyweights here yeah, and, and 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 just to kind of reiterate what Jamil is saying, I, I completely agree with everything he said when it comes to Jeff Dunham. Very good comedian, um, you know, uh, no doubt about it. You know, very very well selling as well. Uh, obviously, he's doing something right. Um, I don't think of him as a political uh, as a political comedian. Uh, George Carlin, I think more of uh, as a political comedian, but I don't think that's even his main stick. Um, you know, I think of more life life observations with uh, with Carlin more than anything. Uh, whereas my pick, I think, is is clearly the choice here because it is the one that is exactly what this question is about. It is everything about this question. Um, but Jamil, to you know, to respect your choice, um, you know, Carlin's a great. He's one of the greats. And um, Bill Maher 100%. is also uh, politically incorrect. Is an excellent show and. Um, 
does a great job in terms of presenting politics to the masses. I cannot... Somewhat slanted, but... <laughs> Somewhat slanted, yes, yeah. but that's not necessarily the question being at hand. Um, yeah. I, I, do have, I, I do have to, to give... Uh, uh, credit where credit's due, um, but still at the same time argue my point um, in terms of Carlin. I'm not really going to bring up his accolades. They are very far reaching. Um, yeah. But in terms of my argument concerning uh, best at mixing politics and comedy, not just being mainly a, a political commentator or comedian, but mixing both of them together, uh, George Carlin, I think, um, has done the uh, the greater impactful job. Um, for example, citing the um, FCC versus Pacifica Foundation Supreme Court ruling in 1973, um, the seven um, seven little words, seven dirty words, sorry, words, um, was uh, the basis of that whole um, uh, ruling, and why the Carling warning was um, presented, which was to remind uh, uh, comedies or acts of specific. Um, uh, rules that they would have to follow during live performances. Uh, so they, they, the decision created uh, the governor's power to censor indecent material on public airways. So his comedy has also impacted politics as well. Uh, well, uh, I, I wouldn't disagree does, with that. How does Bill Maher's comedy affect politics real quick, Jody? Um, it affects everything, including your Google search. Type in political comedian. He's the first one up. Uh, it's, it, this, is, this is a no-brainer, guys. I don't even know why we're still talking about this. Uh, it's, th this is, th he is literally the epitome of political comedy. Well, like, that's what he is. That's his entire shtick. Well, well, yeah, you're right, but he's also not the like, uh, only guy that, that you could say that about. You could definitely say that about like a Jon Stewart or a John Oliver. or you know, There's plenty Absolutely. of guys. Right. Yeah. Uh, you seem to pick the one that is like kind of the OG, uh, Jody. And uh, yep. George, like you said, I feel like George Carlin was a little bit more about like life observation. He was, so gonna... he was an everything thing. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, there's no question George Carlin was fantastic at political humor um, as as he was with every other piece of humor that he ever tried. Uh, but when I when I look at this question, this question just screams Bill Maher. The, like there, there's no question here. I, again, I, I'm baffled we're still doing this. Right. Okay. I, I I am gonna give this one to Jody because I think yeah. he he, <laughs> had, he had a great choice here, and uh, so that that will put Jamil with three points, Jody with two points, Chris with one. So that means Jamil and Jody will be moving on to the speed round. Chris so, Chris has maintained his record. That's the key. Point. Yeah, uh, Jody. Um, I did type in a political comedian, and Bill Maher is front and center. I know. Um, yeah, you, you. I did you, it while you, you were talking. Won <laughs> you, you, you won that. So I didn't know that until I typed it in while you were talking. <laughs> it's a good point. That kind of knocked me out. I think by far. Yeah, yeah that was a that was a knockout blow. I think uh, with that Thank one, you. here, Jody. Uh, okay, so moving on to the... get dirty. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, so we're going to move over to the speed round here. So and so, no, normally what we did in the speed round was we used to have like a, a this or that choice uh here in the question but th on this speed round i kind of switched it up you are going to pick your answer okay and that Excellent. way it's a little bit you can be a little bit more passionate about like you know oh, what you're talking good, about it was really hard to argue the shit one because there's <laughs> always two and there was one shit one that when you got it you're like fuck so i think what we're gonna do is we're gonna give yeah, we're going to give each contestant 30 seconds and after you're done your 30 seconds i'm just going to decide who did who who gave me a better argument for that okay. the question that I asked? Okay, 
Sounds good. We'll hire Chris. Yeah, we can do that. We can just make it split screen with those two, actually. Why don't we just do that? Bye, bye Chris. <laughs> yeah, we miss better. you, Chris. <laughs> Love you, Chris. Don't worry. Chris can uh, help out on who, uh, maybe with me uh, if I need uh, some help deciding who, who did better in this. I, I just, I just want to point out, though, that I've been on a lot of these, and I think this is probably the strongest one Chris has come out on. Yeah, Chris. Chris. So I, yeah. I, uh, I applaud you, Chris. Some of your, some of your uh, picks were great. Thank you. Chris, I just want to say I, I was like I knew you were gonna lose after with Jeff Dunham, and yeah. but I was like, come on, man, Braveheart's a good pick. You can win with Braveheart if you just come out and you just you know. No. I, I did jump on Chris um, because uh, I wanted to get him out of the. the it's a harder one to get around. Yeah, yeah. Braveheart <laughs> was was a a good he, choice. He had a good pick. I, I, I pick. you know what for me it was in the, on that one it was between. Uh, Abe Lincoln, Vampire Hunter, and Braveheart. Pearl Harbor was out because that movie's not entertaining. Uh, I find it entertaining. I uh, know it's it's a t- it's a cringy watch for me. The problem is, I actually uh, burned myself on that originally because originally I started saying, you know, it wasn't too bad except for the love story, which is literally like half of the fucking yeah. movie. <laughs> so, like three of so if yeah. anybody picked up on that, I would have been out right away. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, the host is listening, but that doesn't matter. We're here into the speed round, and we're going to start off with the movie speed round question. Okay, guys, so we're going to start in each round. I think we're just going to go Jody first, Jamil second, uh, and we're just going to go like that. Okay, guys, so this is the okay, speed round I, movie what question. If I, what if we both pick the same thing, though? We won't. The, the, well, you can on this question. What is oh, the best okay. movie from the year you were born? So, Jody, oh. 1977. What's the best movie from 1977? Star Wars. Okay, you got 30 seconds. Go. It's Star Wars. What the fuck? <laughs> what more do you need to know? You know, this is this is iconic sci-fi that defined a generation and later on defined a franchise. This is this is the start of it all. Even though Lucas would disagree with you, uh, but this is the start release-wise of it all, uh, and. Fantastic movie, very entertaining, and movies came out after that trying to mimic the hell out of it, such as Star Trek The Motion Picture, uh, various other things. Uh, it's it's iconic. Um, you, you you say Star Wars anywhere in the world, they're going to know what the hell you're talking about. Okay. Jamil, your 30 seconds start now. Um, I'm choosing Rocky Three. Uh, Rocky Three is an iconic a piece of entertainment. Uh, you have iconic characters like Mr. T's Clubber Lang. Uh, you have Apollo and uh, and Rocky coming together. You have those iconic runs on the beach. Uh, it is the best movie from the year I was born. You were born uh, in 82? 1982. Oh, hey. I didn't know that. All right. Excellent. Okay. Uh, I think I'm going to give that one to, uh, to Jody. I think Jody. Uh, <laughs> to my de- to my defense, was... <laughs> to, to Jamil's defense, though, I was born in a better year. Yeah, I was. I was like, wait, what? Um, eighty-two movies. Uh, Et. I can't argue for Et because I hate that movie. <laughs> Me too. Like, burning passion. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, I can't think of any eighty-two movies at all. <laughs> uh, for, uh, to 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 just side with Jamil a bit. It, it is a good movie. I, I liked Rocky Three. Rocky Three is good. Uh, uh, for me, it was just uh, it was the first yeah. Rocky I saw I, in the theater. I think you were right, Jody. He, you you got the better year you were born. In, I so. did. Yeah, I did for sure. I was like Star Wars. Oh God! How the hell do I follow Star Wars? <laughs> okay, uh, moving on to the next speed round. 
kind of cool transition anyway okay. uh moving over music. to the tv question okay uh starting with jody pick a show that has had the most impressive longevity your 30 seconds start now oh wow um i guess i'll do the simpsons um i wouldn't say that the uh, the more recent seasons have been great, but it's one of those shows that literally you can watch any season really and be fairly entertained. Um, it's 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 a good show. The, the you know obviously the the first probably I would say seven seasons are definitely the pinnacle of that series, uh, but it, it's just great, very iconic. Again, The Simpsons. You know, it, it, you go anywhere in the world, they're going to know The Simpsons as well. Okay, uh, Jabil, uh, your thirty seconds start now. My choice is Dragon Ball Z. Mm. In terms of animes, especially Shonen, which is four-boy four boy anime, um, Dragon Ball Z stands on top um, as a, a cultural icon in terms of television, merchandise, where it comes to clothing, where it comes to toys in general. Um, video games are still made today, top-selling video games from Dragon Ball Z. They keep remaking the show over and over again. <laughs> Okay. I wish I could rebuttal because I got so many rebuttals on that one. But anyway, okay, quick rebuttal, uh, Jody, on that one. Uh, it's it's a very niche thing. Uh, not everybody's into Dragon Ball Z, and I disagree with you. The games are shit for the most part. There's a couple of good ones. Okay, Jamil, quick rebuttal on The Simpsons. Uh, the Simpsons. No one watches The Simpsons um, as a cultural and looking at it as a cultural icon anymore. It is way past its due. Um, everyone knows that current uh, Simpsons is garbage. Jamil, uh, gonna give that point to you. I think uh, it was stronger. Well I, mean, I don't. I still don't understand why Dragon Ball Z is so popular, and I think that's why it has it the most impressive. It is a terrible longevity. show. Yeah. it is a terrible show. But I know as I know as a person, as a person in anime, it is ridiculously popular. Even people don't watch anime, they're like. Oh, Dragon yeah, Ball. They, they they know Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, it's it's, it's stupid. I it's 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 the Pokemon of uh, that. Yeah. For sure. Uh, okay. Uh, moving over to the music speed round. Uh, what is the best acapella song? Okay. Uh, I'm going to give you a few seconds to think about this because this is uh, very, very difficult. Uh, so just kind of think about it, Jody. I'm going to have your 30 seconds start right about now. Oh, fuck. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Boys to Men, I guess. Um, what song? Um, they did a couple acapellas. Um, fuck, I don't know. I'm just <laughs> gonna so say, hard. boys. I'm gonna say so one of the songs from. Uh, well, that's that's not a bad one. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, let's which, go with that. Which song? Which song? Okay, give him another thirty seconds. On that. Uh, it's, it's so it's hard to say goodbye. To say, say goodbye. Yeah. To yesterday. Yep, that's the one. Okay, you got a new thirty seconds. Go. Okay, my 30 seconds is I don't know this very much, and I apologize. And uh, uh, acapella songs I don't uh, make a habit of listening to, but uh, when I think acapella, I think bands and th those bands, I would say, um, Boys to Men being one of them. What are you trying to say? You don't think of uh, Stan Rogers and Northwest Passage? No, I do not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jabil, uh, what is the best acapella song that you could think of off the top of your head? Uh, 30 seconds starting now. Uh, the best acapella song I can think of on the top of my head is um, Das Sound Machines um, World Championships um, 
medley, which was at the end of Pitch Perfect 2. Um, it is the, uh, a very strong superior song that has a variety of different songs put together. Plus, the acapella is so strong that the, the, the backing cast are able to do the various sound effects, able to switch in between the different uh, sounds that the songs that they are including. And Okay, any rebuttal quickly, Jody? Why is your voice here was better than Jamil's? Does anybody know that song? Because I don't. I, I have no idea what the hell he's talking about. So it might be good, might not be. I don't know. Okay. Uh, Jamil? Uh, Just give it to him. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I know it's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday. Um, so as the person so who knows both songs, I can tell you that my song goodbye. is better. That is my rebuttal. I, I, I know. Today. I actually know which song I'm talking about. And mine is better. I, think I, I, I sung up. it. I sung. Yeah, Does that true. count for anything? No. Okay. <laughs> I think, Thank uh, you, Judge. Uh, I think, uh, well, yeah, Jamil gets the point here, guys. Uh, okay, so, good. Because I, <laughs> it's so hard to think about is a better song. The, just... only, the only thing I want to, and I'm not trying to be a, a spoil sport here, but the only thing I can honestly say about this format that sucks is the fact that I have to go every time first. He okay. gets more time to think about shit. So, you know what? We've so done three. We've, we, you know what? We've done three in a row where you had to go first. We'll do Jamil first. So the next I'll go three. first How's next that? time. That would be great. Thank you. You're welcome. Again, I'm not trying to be a bitch about it. I'm just no, no, no. I understand. So, okay. Jody, if I if I went first for that song, um, for that one, I would have picked it so hard to say goodbye yesterday. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that I makes me feel. That makes me feel better. I couldn't remember okay. the name of the damn song. Starting with Jamil. Yep. The sports speed round. What? Whose third jersey in the NHL is the ugliest? Uh, the you, Boston Bruins. You have thirty seconds. Uh, the Boston Bruins, um, the bear, it's um, ugly colors. Uh, that bear looks stupid. Um, everyone uh, loves the other uh, jerseys, and you never see anyone wearing it, um, whether it be out in the streets. You never see it in any type of pop culture because it's U-G-L-Y. doesn't have an alibi. Bury it. It's dead. It's garbage. The Boston Bruins. 30 seconds. That was great. Jody. Uh, I'm gonna go with the New Jersey Devils. Which one? I, the green? The green? Like, the, the green? The green, red, and white. Uh, it, it, every time I see it, it reminds me of Colgate, like <laughs> like some sort of fucking toothpaste or something. Like, uh, do you remember that toothpaste that always came in like all the different lines of colors, and you put it on your brush, and you're like, when you're a kid, you're like, this is fucking amazing. Like, this is the best science ever. But in reality, it just looks like fucking toothpaste. It, it, I I don't know why everybody still hangs onto that fucking jersey. It's terrible. It's better. It's so, not better. And I'm a Jersey fan. They're they're my team, but I I, I ate it. Okay. Uh, so quick, quick rebuttal. rebuttal. Yeah, quick rebuttal, Jamil. Okay. Um, in yeah. your own statement, you said you don't know why people still hold on to it. No one holds on to the uh, Boston Bruins um, bear outfit. That's my rebuttal. Okay. Jody, rebuttal to that. Uh, no one cares about your jersey, so no one would know it anyway. But mine is used all the time, and it's offensive every time we see it. Okay. Um, I think I'm going to have to, even though I disagree with him, I'm going to have to give this one to Jody. Thank you. I could not think of a third jersey. It was the first one that popped in my head. The only other one I could think of would be um, um, oh, fuck, Arizona. Um, but that was already gone now anyway. But Arizona's third jersey originally was just god-awful. So I think we're at five to four, right, Dave? Uh, oh, I got to get this one right. 
Okay. Next one, yeah. Five four looks like yep. Yeah, five four. Yeah. Jamil leading Jody. He's, Jody's got to get this one right, but he gets to go second on this one, so he gets the second round advantage here. Uh, okay. Jamil, what is the best song based on a true story? Um, Your thirty seconds starts in five, four, three, two, one, go. Uh, American Pie by Don McLean, um, talking about the day the music died. So you have an iconic song that talks about one of the most impactful uh, days in um, in music history, where uh, Richie Valens, the Big Bopper, um, and Buddy Holly all died, and its impact in terms of music. This song is taught in schools about music history. Okay. Uh, moving over to Jody, your 30 seconds starts now. This is a tough one for me. Um, what do I pick? What do I pick? Um, fuck, and I'm going to use all my 30 seconds. Um, all right. All right. We'll, 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 we'll pause you, it. We'll pause it here. We'll let you have 30 seconds. Okay. You come yeah. up with, come up with an answer. There, there's two that's, there's two that. Is, is thinking to me. Number one, Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana, because that is actually based on real life experiences. Um, are, the, the way the question is formed, are, are you actually saying like it has to be an actual event that they're talking about? Yeah, based on a true story. It's not good. So you can't be like, um, you know, it had to have happened in real life. Can't be Jeremy oh. from uh, yeah. Pearl Jam. Like, it, 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 it I was going to pick that. It could be an event, though, right? About a true story, a true event, yes. Sunday Bloody Sunday by U2. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Yep. Okay, 30 uh, seconds. Obviously, you know, we all know really what it's about. But the, the you know, about the, um, obviously, the, the bloodshed and everything that happened, um, it, it's just, it, it's a song that every time I hear it, it's always eerie. Uh, and to me, that just, that kind of, that, that 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 brings back the memories of said event. So therefore, I don't really want to say too much about the event because I know that that's a strike thing. Uh, so don't go there. But <laughs> we we don't want to get a strike. Uh, but uh, essentially, it's 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 about a lot of bloodshed and it's 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 a terrible thing. And you know, every time I hear that song, I'm always reminded of that event. Okay, rebuttal, quick, uh, Jamil, on that one. Um, yes, that song is a. a okay song um but we're talking about best songs and american pie is an iconic song it covers from the 1950s to 1970s um all the different things that happen um elvis being drafted to war chuck berry bring a 14 year old across state lines um once again once the music dies the day the music dies constantly referenced uh i i think this is the best song by far yeah okay well, for me, I just uh, my my pick just kind of it, it it instills the emotions that I think the song needs. It, when I when I think of your song, yes, it is an iconic song. There's no question. Um, I don't really care. Uh, it's whereas when I think of Sunday Bloody Sunday and the events, uh, per, you know, that are being portrayed based on the song, um, that that's uh, you know a little tear in my heart where you know a bunch of dead guys that died. Uh, don't really care that much, but. Uh, social unrest and war and all that is just it's it's much different when you deal with Northern Ireland. So. Okay, um, <clears throat> I'm going to give this round actually to Jody, but I have a reason for the, why I'm going to give it to him. Uh, mainly because Jamil's uh, yes, it's about the the story about the, the day like but Buddy Holly died, but it's really about Multiple the 60s, things. 
Yeah, it's about a multiple amount of stories. I was I was waiting for Jody on. to knock me out and say. I was thinking of that, is, but I wasn't totally sure if that's what it was, is, so I didn't go there. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say mine is based on an actual story. Yours is on a, a telling of a bunch of stories. I thought yeah. you were going to say that. Yeah, I, I to be quite honest, I don't know enough of your song. I know the song, but I don't know enough of the song to be Vice able to say that for sure. Yeah, vice versa. I I couldn't really say anything about your song at all. Either okay. way, good pick. It was a good pick, though. Ditto as well. Ditto as well. So we're going into our last tie-breaking speed round question. This is for all the marbles. This is you. Who the wins big one. this round? And, uh, and be before we start, I just want to say, Jabil, you are a very worthy competitor. Jody, I am. Uh, I've been a, a watcher and listener of this show. Uh, Jody, you amaze me each time. Um, you are one hell of a competitor, and thank you. Uh, this is a pleasure. Um, I wish Chris one day can get up to your level so that <laughs> <laughs> um, he's trying. Chris, keep doing what you're doing. You're going to get there. As um, I said, though, Chris, Chris's game was fairly strong. His picks yes. were pretty good this time. He's Unfortunately, he's got two powerhouses that were going against him. So <laughs> uh, It has been a pleasure. Okay. And also, you, kudos to the well. host. Thank you, Jeff. Great job. And, of oh, course, the you. producer uh, behind the scenes, Dave Mater. Yes. Oh, thank you. Thank you. All right, guys. Okay, this is for this is it. Uh, Jamil will start first. Uh, I will give you some time to think here because this is a thinking question again as well. Yeah, like um, don't. Yeah, like don't start him right away. Like give him a minute to think about it too. I'll, 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 it, it'll be. We'll say thirty seconds when you start talking. So just kind of you have a moment to to kind of collect your thoughts here. Wild card question. Speed round. Name the most iconic movie poster. Oh, that's a good one. I like that. Okay, um, my choice is uh, Star Wars A New Hope. Um, not only is this poster... I was there. Uh, I, want, I just want to bring it up. Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll give it a second. And we'll, we'll give you 30 seconds to explain why. We'll, we'll bring up the poster. We'll show us the, the poster. Uh, show the crowd the poster just uh, so we can get your explanation as to why this poster is the most iconic. Are you, should I almost have, almost have it? Almost have it. Okay. Okay. Right, he's there. One sec. Yeah. There you go. Okay. So just go full screen on that, Dave. Okay. So uh, Jamil, your thirty seconds will start right now. When you think of uh, of movies in terms of its legacy, uh, the Star Wars poster and why it's impressive is it does take elements from previous uh, movies um, from the past, uh, which were the historical epics, but then also brings it to uh, the sci-fi realm. Um, and you have these these posters that represent everything that's going on. You look at it and you you automatically know who are the, the main characters in play, where's the overlooking uh, force that they're fighting against in the background. A multitude of movie posters have also followed suit in taking this as the basis of what they base their movie posters on. Um, the artists of these, um, this poster has also gone on to explode in work and constantly has to go back and make their version of this poster once again. Um, by far, this is the most iconic poster um, in movie history. Okay, so we gave him a minute, and we're going to give Jody a minute as well. Okay, I so have my Jody, answer already, but it's... Can I, can I get it? Uh, yeah, 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 well, we'll get it. So what's Alien, the first Alien? Yep. Okay. It's not Aliens. Alien. 
So we will go to Alien and uh, just going to bring it up quick good, here. Good pick, Jamil, by the way. Thank you. And here is Alien. We're going to go full screen and we're going to give Jody his one minute to talk about why this poster is the most iconic. Okay. thirty. Uh, your one minute starts now. Okay. So this movie, the, the reason why I love this poster is because it doesn't tell you a lot, which is exactly what the movie is supposed to do. Uh, this movie is a suspense movie. This movie is really it's a lot of people think of it as a horror movie but it's more of a suspense movie really uh you very rarely see the actual alien in this movie um you know you have a simple simple alien up at the top you have the little egg with the little crack in it and all you have is one tagline in space nobody can hear you scream and it's so true um this this movie just spends the entire time uh, just it blowing your mind when it comes to suspense. You know, there's always these false things and everything. But the thing that I love about this poster is it's very simplistic, but it gets right down to the point. It is an unknown, and you're going to watch an unknown. And the best thing about it is you get that little tiny catchphrase, and that grabs you. It, it's it's just something that it's always been very powerful to me. Um, I agree with Jamil's um, uh, argument as well when it comes to his, but I just find everything about this, it doesn't tell you anything, and that's what it should do for this type of movie. Shouldn't tell you a whole lot of anything. Okay. So uh, do you guys want to rebuttal? Or are you guys good? You're happy with what you said? Um, I'd like to chime in. Okay. Uh, Jody, a uh, great pick once again. Um, that poster is indeed iconic. Um, but um, <laughs> in terms of its legacy, um, don't really see it being referenced to. It hasn't become um, a longstanding um, poster a thing that people refer back to uh, whereas mine uh, the poster set off a chain of events in terms of how even the movie industry is even being used people now um, ask the 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 artist who made it uh, Tom uh, sorry Tom uh, Chantrell who made it great uh, illustrator yeah yes great illustrator they uh, get him employ him to make posters of their movies um, and then provide it to investors to raise money for the movie. It's like a point of context. He is just as important in some ways as the script itself in terms of selling a movie. Right? Okay. Yeah. Jo Jody, rebuttal? Um, I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying, Jamil. Um, the only argument I really have to say on this is the fact that this isn't even the poster that they used for the re-release. Uh, when they re-released the Aliens, they, they kept the same stuff. It's the exact same thing. Even the DVD box set, this is the picture on the DVD box set. This is the picture on the Blu-ray. Um, Star Wars is notorious for changing posters constantly. Um, you know, you've had theatrical releases, what, three different theatrical releases for Star Wars, um, out of which a poster has been different every single time. If it was that iconic, why are we not using it for every single one? Whereas with Alien, every time I see that egg, I know exactly what I'm looking at. This is exactly it. And when you say it's not being used a lot, I see this a lot in the background in movies. Um, Alien is just, it's an iconic thing. And anybody who's into sci-fi knows exactly what you're looking at when you see that egg. Okay, so now I'm going to do something where I don't want to be the sole person to decide this. So I'm going to give my vote, and then, I, but I, but I'm going to do that after both Chris and Dave get their vote to who they think should win this cool. round. Okay, like Chris, who's your vote for? Um, unfortunately, I don't want to vote for him, but I'm going to have to give this one to Jody. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love how he started that, though. I don't want to vote for. Don't him. feel bad, Jody <laughs> did a great argument. I think. Uh, I'm I'm going to give my vote for Jamil because. Um, <clears throat> 
that egg is not iconic for me. I I'm not, I'm not a fan of the alien franchise. How many times, well, then that's why it's not iconic, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, I don't even know what I'm looking at when I look until you. I look at the title above, which I wouldn't. I feel um, very sad for you. Thank you. I, I just <laughs> I enjoy Jody's point where he said that they don't need to change that poster for every new. No, it's a it's the same thing. Like I, oh, I have Star Wars on VHS, and it's got a different front cover. Yep. Yeah, there's so many covers for that one. Right. Uh, okay, so I my decision is going to be based off the nature of the question, and I do think that Jamil actually answered the question the best because, for me, the iconic nature of the poster is when you see that, you go, oh, that's the poster to that movie. And and I think the influence that the Star Wars poster... I mean, if you look at any Avengers poster, it basically is modeling after that Star Wars poster. Uh, the, it was the first one to slam, like, you know, all those characters on one on one poster. So for me, Jamil wins the round and so the game. I, I just have a question, though. Sorry, if you don't mind. Yeah, go ahead. After after we hear the uh, applause, I guess. <laughs> um, the and again, I'm not shitting on you, but when when you when I when I hear the term iconic, I don't think of everybody tried to copy it. That doesn't to me. That doesn't scream iconic. But anyway, I, again, to you, Jamil, fantastic argument. Well, what is an icon? Right, like an icon is something that you Influence want to that never changes. It's always the same. When I see Superman's logo, I know that's Superman. They when I see Superman's that egg, logo. I know that. Well, they Star have. Wars, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Star Wars. Bad <laughs> example. It. Star Wars couldn't help itself, though. They were always tinkering and changing things. Merchandising the, uh, alone. Um, either great way, great points, win, uh, Jody. Um, I actually thought I didn't get that one, <laughs> honestly, because um, I can't see how you got that one. But anyway. But <laughs> It's all in the judge. I actually agree. Um, Adamore! Adamore! Oh, kill me now. <laughs> well done, Jamil. Well, well done, that Chris. is this edition of Trivial Debates. Thank you to all our contestants, Chris Seymour, Jody Simpson, Jamil Robinson. Thanks for joining me. Uh, all your arguments were passionate and, and great. Uh, yeah, yeah, Jody, yeah, go ahead. I just want to say I'm glad I didn't lose to Chris. <laughs> What do you mean? Uh, you glad you didn't lose to Jeff Dunham? I'm going to lose to anybody. I'm going to lose to Jamil. That's fine. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. So uh, follow us, guys, on uh, the Facebook and YouTube feeds for Trivial Debates. Uh, make sure to check out our other podcasts as well. Live Long and Podcast, where we cover Star Trek TV movies. Uh, we're going to be catching up on uh, Lower Decks. So that will be coming out uh, in the next uh, few months. Uh, we'll be co- we're still covering uh, DS9, uh, yeah, uh, Star Trek DS9 with Jamil on Tuesday nights. We're making our three and a half year journey to cover uh, every episode of DS9. Uh, be sure to check us over at Supermainer Bros Podcasting, where we cover a scripted and reality TV. Right now, we are going through different seasons of Survivor with uh, Josh Foster, who has a uh, just a, a sensational appetite for for Survivor right now. So he he loves talking about which season he's watched next. So if uh, if you guys are interested in any of those topics, uh, please join us. Uh, catch us uh, for Knee Jerk Sports as well. It's a new uh, sports podcast that w- we just uh, started uh, with uh, my buddy Adam King, where we uh, do... That one's the knee-jerk reactions to sports events, or, or we also do knee-jerk predictions. So we already we recovered, uh, recorded one uh, podcast where we did predictions of uh, the NHL and uh, the, you know who we thought was going to do well in the first rounds of the uh, the playoffs. Not uh, the Leafs. N- yeah, well, I, I said uh, the Leafs are probably not going to get through, uh, so yeah. I I, th- I think they're going to lose. But uh, even as a Leaf fan, 
It sucks, no but Devils. no, there's no, no, be the Devils. <laughs> there's no Detroit Red Wings either, which I know is Jamil's team. No, it's definitely not going to be the Devils. No, but but we we will be covering sports. You know, every time there's a big like playoff thing or a big event, uh, we'll be hopping on to kind of give us our hot take reactions to the, oh. everything going on in the world of sports. Uh, so yeah, so join us uh, next time uh, in about a month for our next uh, trivial debate last uh, Sunday of every month. The, 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 yeah, the last Sunday of every month, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be excited to see you guys. We need then. we need to figure out who's hosting the next one. Yeah, we need to figure out who's hosting. Uh, Jamil, since you want, if you you have first dibs, if you want to host, uh, you, you know you're you're more than welcome. And, Let's talk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, so it's up to you if you're free. Uh, it's part know, of the crown, Jamil. Otherwise, we'll figure it out. Crown. We have a month to figure it out who's going to be on the panel. So no worries. Yeah, we'll have to figure out who's on the panel and everything. It's a month away, so you got lots of time to prepare if you want to do it. Uh, so, having said that, without further ado, I'd, uh, I'm signing off for uh, uh, Trivial Debates. I'm Jeff Mater. Uh, thanks, everybody. Here comes the theme music. Oh, yeah. Oh, thank you.